Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hi, Kevin. Hey, we're on the floor today. Look at us. Yeah, they're not taking it apart right now, which is great. I was worried about that. My anxiety of being in the way of others was creeping up as I walked out here. And Watch them start ripping it up right now. Saw that we're still all good in the hood. Speaking of all good in the hood, Kev, the Suns, they won 123-109. to 109. Like game one. I think there's a lot to take away from this game, both good and bad. I think there was more good than bad, considering this team shot 59% and had 30 assists to 11 turnovers, considering that Devin Booker played what was... I was thinking about this. Okay, let's start there. Devin Booker, best postseason performances ever. You've got the 40-point triple-double. I think that's the best game I've ever seen him play. 40-point triple-double. I unfortunately was not in L.A. for game six against the Lakers, but that was 45 and that was just like a first quarter of like, no, this is done. He had like six threes or whatever it was. The 40 pieces in the finals, I think that those, even in losses, hold a lot of weight for me. But after that, I'm struggling to think of another game. I think this the first half of game two against New Orleans was when he got going, but then he got hurt. Um, so I think this is, it's not a top three, but it has a case for top five. And my whole point in saying this and like drawing this out is that the fact that he can play that type of game, specifically in the second half, specifically in the last two and a half quarters, when I don't want to be dramatic and narrative talking head guy, I'll put the hat on really quick and be like, the sun season was on the line, but they were facing an O2 hole, dropping both at home at a certain point. They were down 13. Then they score on 10 of their last 11 possessions in the, in the second quarter. They come out in the third quarter, and it's pretty much Booker as the point guard at that point. And he looked phenomenal doing it. I said this during our video thing, Kevin. There were certain possessions where he was slowing it down, but he was slowing it down and moving everyone around. He was. It was less about him calling plays from what I could tell and more of just like, you go here, you go there, and break. And it was like some Peyton Manning Omaha stuff that I was yeah. seeing out there. And he just willed them too with how hard he was playing he played 45 minutes was 14 of 22 from the field nine assists 38 points three turnovers he was phenomenal and if this team makes a deep run in the postseason this will be a huge moment that we think of I don't know if we've seen the superstar take over in a playoff game from him like that um to your point of trying to rank them which is difficult defensively the bucks games even again when they lost i think deserved to be up there but the way the third quarter went as far as dictating pace and dictating like you said it wasn't play calling so much as like you go over there and then him attacking whatever he decided he wanted to attack on those plays um was just like it's the Oh, LeBron's just decided. It's Steph Curry's just decided. Now is his time. He's had enough. And that's where, like, you use the word superstar, I think. Because you and I both tweeted 
Kawhi Leonard's the best player in this series, and I think we're both talking about Kevin Durant has not lived up to it through the first five quarters of it. Yeah. Um, and not even not lived up to it. I guess I shouldn't say that. He well, no, wasn't I mean, if playing you were, as well as Kawhi Leonard. Well, no, if you're going to rank who were the three best players in this series through two games, Kevin Durant's third on the list. Yeah. And we all expected him to be first because he's Kevin yeah. freaking Durant. But, yeah, that's not a slight even. No, I, I don't say it is really any disrespect well. yeah. because right, Kawhi right. Leonard is playing out of his mind. Yes. And Devin Booker just had the best two and a half quarters we've maybe seen from anyone in the postseason so far. I've been watching every single game because we have to cover some of them, obviously. But that was just an incredible performance by him in those two and a half quarters. And I, I just keep focusing on the two and a half quarters because of, of the first one and a half, which we'll touch on here in a bit. But I just wanted to start with the positives. I thought that it was people are going to be mad and I'm sure they were watching it and it's a lot of like when it goes well you don't say anything when it goes wrong you're just yelling about it but it was cool when they were up six and they were like no we're just gonna we're still gonna do Chris Paul and DeAndre in the two-man game we're still gonna do it and they scored three straight baskets and it was a Chris Mitty it was a DA laying through contact which was good to see and then it was a Chris Mitty again and both of those middies were the type of ones where He's moving away from the basket. He's turning and fading at the same time. The type of high-degree difficulty shots that he makes in his sleep all the time. We haven't seen those enough consistently this year with his mid-range makes. And he said that he went back on second spectrum and watched all of his shots back against the Clippers this year because he was really hyper-focused on threes and shooting threes and taking threes, which was interesting to hear, of course, because he was still hesitating a bit to shoot threes. But with that being said, he noticed, like, oh, the drop's there. Like, they're just giving me the midi still. So he was able to get back to that a bit. He was 8 of 14 from the field. Eight assists, one turnover, much better performance from him. Crucially, Kevin, I don't know what the lineup data said, but you go through the plus minuses for the starters. Durant was plus 10, Craig plus 16, Aiton plus 15, Paul plus 14, Booker plus 15. I said this in our video thing. So they shoot 58, 59% as a team, 30 assists. They shot 67.5% in the middle quarters. I can't remember if I said that part yet. I don't really think that this was an example a shining example, a perfect example of the capabilities that this group has, particularly those top four guys. But it, it was part of that ceiling showing and just being like, hey, guess what? There's going to be a game in this series where they shoot 64% from the mid-range, where they shoot 16 of 22 on long twos, and you just have to live with it. And I'm sure you can back this up a bit when you were in the Clippers post-game stuff. I would guess that the sentiment there was like, hey, man, if they're going to make those and they're going to only attempt 24 threes after 19 on Sunday and they're just going to make those, like then, then so be it. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers basically, Ty Lue just started off CP, book, Kevin Durant. Um, that's oversimplifying things, but they he ran through. Like, we were blitzing him, we were firing, we were, um, you know, trapping them out of there zone he even mentioned i hope someone does the kitchen sink outlook on a rewatch and sees how many defenses he threw yeah because it seemed like everything like they did everything and and the and his point was uh even beyond book it was really he said second quarter and fourth quarter and what happened in the second quarter they had this situation where they had zubach really paying attention to the ball handler hit da a couple times i think maybe even four or five times in the mid-range for those jumpers he hit a couple and then they got out of that and that's when the sun started cooking in the mid-range with their perimeter guys and again in the fourth which was chris he had eight points out of his 16 two assists i believe and, and again that one to da and they were running a lot of stuff with da and chris 
And that's where the problem is for defending the Suns team, right? It's, okay, like, Kevin Durant's not, like, hot, hot going. He's still at 25. Devin Booker, like, did superstar stuff. But it, kind of to your point again, about the bench doesn't matter that much as far as scoring when you get even average games from DA and Chris Paul. And so that's where the Suns are right now, and I think... Honestly, if you want to be negative, my negative is, are those guys playing too much? Because 44 minutes, we'll, 45 minutes, we'll like, how sustainable there. is that? Yeah, it's not. We'll get there. Um, to stick here for a little bit longer, I had to just, I have to keep repeating this point because I see so many conversation points about, again, I... I'm, I feel like I'm able to understand what people are thinking a lot. I feel like I have that type of skill as a human being on planet Earth with social anxiety be damned and all that stuff that I've got going on in this weird little noggin, but I cannot understand the fascination with one guy starting or this guy starting or this one guy getting minutes over this guy minutes and, and the crucial second part, and, and acting like this is a reason why they are going to lose a basketball game. So with that being said, this is why. Like, if your four best players play like this, it doesn't matter if Damian Lee is getting the two minutes over Terrence Ross. It does not matter if TJ Warren is the ninth guy now instead of whoever it was. I don't even, was it Ross last game? Wainwright. It was Ish Wainwright in game one. It doesn't matter that Bismack Biombo got the nod at center again over Orlando. It really does not. It just doesn't. If they're not playing very many minutes, it really doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And that was part of the issue, I guess. And, and we'll get to that in also, a bit. But Torrey's played two really good games. Like, Monty, everyone should be praising Monty for making this crazy switch at this point because, like, would it, again, i guessing what Josh Kogi would do, but would it really matter that much is your point? Did you notice the there was a bucket where Kawhi scored, and I think it was Torrey Craig guarding him in the second quarter, and he, he said something. The man, a few words, said something. He said something to the bench maybe? Yeah, and that's yeah. where I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, but to go back to Torrey Craig, something Chris brought up is that the timeliness of his five threes. I l- I'm looking right now. So 49-36, he hits that three when they're down 13. And then he hits another during that run to make it 51-44. And then I believe he hits two more in the third and then one more in the fourth, if I'm remembering this off the top of my head. The laptop is letting me down. This is so sad. Not live radio. <laughs> 8.39 left. Hits another three. That puts them up 10 at that point. And then I believe the other two. Nope, there was one more in the third quarter again to put them up seven. That's what Chris was talking about. Like The Clippers were within four. They miss a three. Craig comes back. It's a huge three to put them up seven. Like The timeliness of his shots were really important. That is a huge... Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder thing where the timeliness of their plays, there would just be the 90-second Cam Johnson sequence where he would hit a three, three defensive rotations, box out, gravity, opening up a driving lane, and then it was a five-point swing that was just not all him, but it felt like it was all him. And, and those threes specifically for Torrey, I thought he did a really good job of battling against Kawhi. I'm, this is the one I'm more curious to watch back over the two because I don't know how clean Kawhi's looks were comparatively, but it just felt like a lot of his catches were easier in Game 1 than they were in Game 2. 
Felt like the Suns did a little bit of a better job on him specifically. And then this was a, we, we will get to it. This was a complex DeAndre game. I, they, they never aren't, I guess, with him. Yeah. Uh, but, he, man, when he was hitting middies in the second quarter, they needed offense somewhere. And it was just one of those sequences where his mid-range game was going, and then he was grabbing a couple of offensive rebounds. I think just, again, timeliness and when teams – when he grabs an offensive rebound and you can feel the amount of energy that it gives the team and the building and the whole thing, that speaks to why it's so important that he's doing that. It's not the fact that he grabs one and it leads to a positive result or whatever. It's just the energy that it brings, like the demoralizing feeling specifically the other way around when Westbrook kept grabbing one yeah. and grabbing one over and over again. He kept at it tonight. We'll get to him in a bit. But, man, can, I, I just thought the a whole five as a, as a whole, they were all really, really good. Can we go back to DeAndre for a second? Sure. I think the first quarter was bad by the whole team. And a lot of it, and we talked about this in teams during the game, like KD and DeAndre, and I saw this a little bit in the regular season, but it's popped up both games where... Okay, we're, we're getting to negatives. I was trying to hold you back from <sighs> negatives here, you pessimistic I'm going to go just to focus on DeAndre, but there are negatives. People Orlando, were hot everyone's up, always known that about me. Go ahead. People Be were hot about DeAndre. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, ahead. he was not rotating well. Like, they would do initial rotations... But on scramble plays, offensive rebounds in that first quarter, especially, like, he and KD were, like, standing next to each other too much, like, not knowing where to go, that kind of thing. Um, other guys were doing that, too, on the Suns. But people were just, like, ripping, and it's like, he's their only offense right now at early in that first half. And I thought his activity was important in drawing two fouls. One, Kawhi, I believe it was his first foul, and he basically boxed out Kawhi because they had that mis- mismatch from the start of the possession. DA this game was even out. more physical than the last one. It was. Yeah. There and was a there was a KD post up where Nick Batum like gave him a shoulder bump that would have knocked me into the seventh row back like way back there. Yeah. Um. But like DA drew a foul. Yeah. DA switched off on Westbrook and got an offensive foul called, and so those couple things happened in the first quarter. I was like, oh. He's engaged. And then you go, look, what are the rebounding tolls? He had 13. Zubach had five. Are Clippers fans, like, equally like, oh, he's just trash. He's just trash. Maybe. But I don't know. To me, he played a good game. And he wasn't deficient in, like, just the unraveling type of DA games. And he wasn't even in game one. So I, I think that's unfair um they have problems to work out and they worked them out we'll get there we'll get there well we'll get there right now um okay you and i have both been um not hesitant but just open-minded with the coaching staff and in particular handing them criticism this early after one game Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's a really long process and there's so much that can just go into one game but I think that one of and this really goes into how, again, some people, it, basketball in their head is this one guy starting or not starting, this one guy not coming off the bench or coming off the bench as the difference in a game. Like that, That's how some people think about the sport, and that's fine. Everyone's, it's all subjective. That's fine. But I think that for me, a big thing with coaching staffs in particular, and I say staffs because it's not just Monty, it's his whole group, you have to be able to take things that went wrong one night and then the next night – 
not make them go away, but improve on them. And if you're able to improve on them, I think that that means you're getting through to your group and that means that what you are showing your guys and teaching your guys, because look, you want to guess that they talked about offensive rebounding for the last two days? You want to guess that they talked about getting up threes more? Yeah. Of course they did. But you have to be able, as a coach, to get your guys to execute those scenarios that you're trying to put them in more frequently. And I just did not see that transition here, Kevin. This is close enough to what I talked about last podcast where there was an outcome where even if the Suns win, I would be more concerned about this series than I was before. And, and I'm there now. Um, I'm still going to stick with Suns in five, I guess, but I'm more concerned now that this could go six or even seven just based on the way the Suns were not able to get up threes at a certain point in the early second quarter before Booker went supernova. They had seven compared to the 16 attempts for the Clippers. The Clippers at one point had eight three-pointers made, and the Suns had seven attempted. The offensive rebounding, Clippers had 12 tonight compared to 15 in game one. Great. Uh, they had 21 second-chance points compared to 12, and that's PTSD for Suns fans back to the Milwaukee series. The New Orleans series has been a problem forever. You've got another seven-footer now, and it's still an issue. And then the rotation... It is not sustainable to play Devin Booker and Kevin Durant 45 minutes a game. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just not going to work for an entire postseason. Can it work for this little moment where, again, to use a similar metaphor that I did for the first game, like punching through the door over and over again, and then yeah. eventually the door doesn't exist and there's a gap there. Hopefully, for their sake, that is what has happened and they have found their style of play again and rejuvenated it a bit because if they haven't, you cannot play these guys, especially Durant, 45 minutes a game. Like Booker is in, hopefully everyone understanding, because I've said this a lot on this podcast, I think a, a couple of times I've, I've received replies being like, ah, like he gets tired and stuff, but it's like, that guy is in insane shape. And I just think he doesn't get put in opportunities or put himself in opportunities because he saves it for when he really needs it. Like when he was doing the two-way thing on Middleton in the finals and so on and so forth. Um, in this game, he really did it. But... I think the main thing to focus on with the 45 minutes thing is the fact that this seemed like it was planned for the most part, Kevin, because we come out of the first quarter and it's like, oh, okay, Durant has now played the whole first quarter with Booker. That's already one change. And then they're coming out and I'm like, okay, who's going to be the ninth guy? It's TJ Warnkel. Booker's coming back out on the court. He's staying in and playing. And that's the type of low, that's just too much. And then you look at the rotation behind that, you get a little bit of changes here and there, but they basically... Ish Wainwright logged him in. I don't even know when that happened. That happened last like the last minute. minute of the game. I think. Uh, TJ Warren played two. Damian Lee played three. And Damian Lee was clearly not planned to be in the rotation. Like, he just got thrown out there because they felt like they needed shooting. I don't know what exactly. Okoge, Biombo, and Shamit all played well. But an eight-man rotation is not enough unless you play those guys 20-plus. And, and that's the problem there. Because, again, Chris Paul, 38, by the way. Like, that's a lower number, but 38 and 39. So so all of those problems go into the fact that Duran and Booker just had to play these crazy minutes because other things weren't clicking into place that should be more easily. Because you can watch some game ones of a series. Like, remember when I, I bring this up all the time. Remember the Denver series where we were like, dude, I don't know what Denver's going to do. Yeah. Like we, we were one game into the series we were watching, and I was like, I, I don't think like, – I don't, what are they going to do? Yeah. But we watched this game, loss against the Clippers, and we're like, oh, they can clean up this, 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 and this. And they didn't really clean it up that much. They just got white hot offensively. So now I, I don't know, again, panic, concern, anything like that. Not really. I just think that this is going to be – 
the third straight series where there is some level of the opponent having their number and it is going to be a absolute grind again okay i agree with you it is a 4-5 series which in theory means it's supposed to be this competitive i nah, don't do that <laughs> they don't have paul george they match up well they sure do some of the other series are going poorly also so i'm just saying this in the big picture of the nba if the suns do get out of this this is looking way ahead but they will have learned a lot from this series yeah oh yeah i think that's the important part like even if you're like championship or bust you might as well be like okay they're gonna figure out stuff in this series they're gonna be tested um i would be surprised if Honestly, they there are a lot of scenarios where they could hit the next team, and the next two series are going to be a lot easier than this one, um, just because of who this team is. Because Kawhi Leonard looked like superstar Kawhi Leonard, because the coach is good, because they have a good matchup against the Suns. So, I mean, I guess I'm saying this to say don't add worry, but no, it no. Is a, it, it's legit a competitive series, well, and you need don't to, expect yeah. them to just like roll over You need to, to say over. that, because my point is, is that I did not expect this to be a competitive series. No. I did not imagine a scenario where I left tonight and thought, man, this is going to be a tough six, or it's going to go seven. No. I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. I really do think that's where we're headed now, just with what the Clippers are able to achieve as a team with their consistent tweaks and adjustments, and Matt Moore made a really good point where we both kind of at the same time were like, yeah, Booker's figured this out. Like what the Clippers are doing defensively, he has figured it out. And then he quote tweeted and said, this is the first wave. There's going to be plenty more of adjustments and tweaks that the Clippers throw in. They did empty the kitchen sink a bit, but with that being said, there's plenty more coming from what they're going to try and do. Here's the thing, though, and why I think this is interesting from the Clippers' perspective because – I don't know that they have to change a whole lot, right? Like, do you feel like the Suns are in a groove just because Devin Booker had to go crazy in a quarter? I don't I don't know that the Clippers necessarily need to do anything crazy different. Now, I think they're going to say, this did work a little better, let's do more of that. But, and I don't know if that's good or bad if you're the Suns, because if they come out and they have the same game plan... Because the first two games went kind of the same, and it was just like, oh, fourth quarter execution, Mm -hmm. clean that up. The team that cleaned it up won the game. And so I'm going to be super curious if we see anything completely different, whether that's rotations, defensive schemes. I don't think so. I think they're just going to keep doing different things, maybe in different orders. Um, They seem confident is what I'm trying to get at, and I think that's justified. Can I sprinkle in some positives here before we get to a couple more negatives and and wrap this thing up, for goodness sake? (laughs) Uh, I love the fact, and Suns fans, specifically our friends Mike Vigil and Sam Cooper, multiple-time guests on this show when you had to do wedding stuff or other baby stuff or other things things that stuff to occupy your time in your personal life, which you are obligated to as a human being, <laughs> Thank you. working for a corporation. Are we a corporation? Is that being dramatic? A company. They were begging to the basketball gods for the Suns to hedge or trap or something. They were just like, please, you have an incredibly mobile seven-footer. Guess what? There's another one back there. Please trap or hedge. Please do something. And guess yeah. what? They did. They did on Kawhi Leonard. A little bit. A little. They didn't do it enough. They need to do way more of it. 
Booker started helping. I think I, this is the watch back brain part, but it seemed like from the smart sources on Twitter that I rely on to say this stuff when I'm not noticing it while it's happening, that they were helping off of Westbrook even more in a more productive way in the second half. Like they adjusted their coverages on him a little bit. And that's the part where the things that we're talking about, you hear about like helping off of Westbrook, helping off of Zubach. Those are aggressive game plans yeah it doesn't sound like it's aggressive because you're just helping off of a dude but it's aggressive it's like, and then, oh he's a 33 percent three-pointer it's like teams still don't like to do that they need to be far more of the aggressor not in the defensive game plan area because they're never gonna no one's ever gonna beat the clippers with that because of how much they do and how much they're tweaking and how aggressive they get but they need to not even sprinkle in they need to thoroughly mix in aggressive defensive coverages and Kevin, they're not used to doing them because they haven't been with this group that much, but now is the time to learn. Now's the yeah. time to get it together, and now's the time when Kawhi Leonard is like, eh, you know, I did that finals thing where I was like the best player by far on a finals team. What if I just do it again? Like, that's what he was looking like through five quarters. Trap that man, hedge that man, <laughs> double that man, and they started to do it more. It cooled him off just enough in the middle quarters, and Russell Westbrook cooled off enough in the middle quarters to match uh, with that. Other positives, let me ask you this. I believe we're at house money with Russell Westbrook now. I think if you would have gone to the series and said over under one and a half great games from Russell Westbrook, you would have said over. I, do you agree he was great tonight? I thought he was great tonight. Yeah. Yeah, so that's two Same defensive great intensity, games already. Still has brain farts, House money. But do you think that it's a must win for the Clippers when he's great? I, I would argue. I wouldn't say yeah. definitively, but I would argue. I mean, like, Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Bones Highland, Norm Powell, they haven't really just gotten hey, let loose, which is other positive. I was going to bring up there. You read my mind. All this noise I heard, all this flapping in my ear about this depth that the Clippers have. No shots intended. They no play offense. more, so they score more, more points. Guess who the was the third leading but... scorer for them? Ooh. It was Eric Gordon and Norman Powell. Okay. They had 12 points. Yeah. 12. I heard all this depth talk, all of it. I can't say depth right, but they have doesn't more, mean I don't hear it. Here's the thing. They have more depth than the Suns in Monty's head. That's the weird thing. Is like Monty does not trust them, obviously. Well, I think they do, but to when your campaign, point... Campaign, that's a bad update, it sounds like. He's not ready. Can't yeah. do certain movements, by the way, but yeah. that's a factor. Yeah. If you just throw him in there and he's like half... 75% speed campaign. Yeah, they need that. that In this that, series specifically, they need that. And hey, if you throw them out there for five minutes and it doesn't look great, you don't have to turn to in the second half. Guess who's getting a rest, though, during that time? Holy smokes. Yeah. They're going to need that. Yeah. Really point that I harped on here. Assist to turnover ratio for this Clippers basketball team. They had 17 assists and 15 turnovers tonight. Ooh. They were 26 in assist to turnover ratio this season. I know a lot of switching, but it didn't really go up or down drastically with Westbrook. That was part of my Westbrook is the X factor thing because he's the secondary playmaker guy or the lead playmaker guy. Kawhi was really good as a playmaker tonight, I thought. Again, relative to my expectations. Like, I just thought he was better than I expected. Five assists in the first quarter all went for threes, but... I will say a lot of those, I believe, were like offensive rebounds, scramble situations, just made the easy pass, and then I'll be positive again. How many defensive rebounds do you think Zubac had tonight? Three. Two. Okay. I got to go look and see where that happened and why, but he had four on the offensive glass and two on the defensive glass. That speaks to some level of success because they're just keeping him away 
uh, from the basket and dragging him out a bit more consistently because remember they were kind of doing that with the Tory Craig drops and things like that right but I think through triggering some of the Durant double teams maybe I'm, I'm not really sure all of this is kind of in a way previewing game three but I think that some of those issues I think that Shrieker had a really good point uh, meme god you just see a streaker fire tweet and you just know what's coming. Like, he had the one with DR DeRozan, and I was like, this is going to do numbers. And it sure did. He had a very astute point, which was he feels like this is the problems right now with the Suns and what they're dealing with. It's more systemic, and that's just, again, pointing towards the coaching staff and stuff. And for me, looking towards Game 3, I told you when we were doing the video over there two hours ago um, that this was more... I was more fascinated by Game 3 by far heading into it now compared to... If I were to combine Game 1 and Game 2, I would say Game 3 I'm the most fascinated because I think that there's a huge point to be made for their style of play, how they play, how they dictate things to prove that sentiment wrong because I think it's been right through two games that you can look at this and say after the way the Pelican series went, after I bring this point up all the time, after Game 3, I'm sitting in the hotel room and you're like, Man, that's just not that team. I don't know what's going on here, but it's not happening in the playoffs, man. And then he said that's what that was Shrieker's point, is that this is a thing that happens in the postseason. Like when they turn the corner and I had people replying to my eight games tweet and like some people's re- opinions I respect. Uh, one of them, like a longtime commenter on Brad's Side of the Sun from eons ago, and he just said, this is just like a bad narrative. Like this is just incorrect because this is just – this keeps happening in the playoffs and it just shows how flawed they are as a team. We're not going that far, obviously. But – Game three, I think, will show definitively with three game sample size how much juice there is to squeeze there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the the building blocks are there, but it just doesn't click and fire. Um, I thought today it did a little bit, but I don't know. It just – if you ask the question, do you know what their offense is? I would say it's a jumble of random things thrown together and they know what works and they're good at that, but they don't have like an offense. You know what might be a problem? What? Their best point guard isn't their point guard anymore. Yeah. Might be a problem. It can be it for two minutes in the fourth quarter and be really good and like it used to, but that's... Can't believe I'm saying that out loud. Can't believe it, but it might be true. I'm not willing oh, to say it's completely oh, true, but it might be. I was going to say earlier. Go for it, King. Igor Kokovshkov died for Igor. this. His sins. <laughs> he put point book. I know it wasn't his decision. He probably would have liked to have a point guard that year, but he was like the one who first said, you know what? We're not going to win many games. You go run point guard. You go learn. Run those balls. You screens. do it. I think learn that weak I, side rotation. I believe friend. in you. He also believed in DeAndre and should set screens and do big stuff. He should. What? Tyler Eulis. He was here today, by the way. Serginho Dest was here. Odell Beckham Jr. was here. Tyler Eulis was here. John Bloom, spotting it a mile away. Apparently, USMNT is, like, training here. What were we saying? Book learned how to play point guard. Sure He's did. learned for Shout quite a Igor. few years now, um, and it looks really good. So now, on that point, and to kind of close things out, to the, I wonder if there is a secondary, the desperation of playing him and Durant mid-40s minutes is, do you just have Devin Booker run the offense now? Like, is that the point we're at now? 
with Chris where Devin is primarily running things and Chris is it's a I want to say this Chris like all this talk about off ball role he's definitely playing off the ball the most he has in his career don't get me wrong he's still bringing the ball up 90% of the time like he's still he running against the action 90% of the time yeah I wonder if you just do a 50-50 split at this point. Like you just get to that kind of level at least, that kind of breakdown at least. Maybe a maybe a 45-45-10 with a little campaign, dare I say. The the combo of Book running it with his minutes bothers me. If he was playing 36-38 even and he split it, it's like fine. Or if you're like just initiating offense and he's getting off the ball, right? I have a problem with playing that many minutes and doing like just lifting everything in all of those minutes and that's where the problem is and that's where you get worried because that's a lot of work he was doing steve nash dribble under the hoop stuff and doing a great job at it but at some point other people have to help a little bit one more thing before we go to preview game three i'm a big holding the standard to the uh the person there's a reason why i hesitated on that point guard move because he is the point god and I hold that respect to him and hold that standard of his play there. There's a reason we talk about DeAndre and we hold him to the standard. One negative we did not really get to, by the way, uh, rim protection. I got to go watch that back. But the defensive rotations, whatever it was, whether it was the point of attack stuff or the back line, there were just, I know for a fact there were a lot of possessions where DeAndre just wasn't rotating over to cover the rim. I don't know if it was his fault. I don't know if it was someone else's fault. But Kevin wasn't doing it either. And that, and that was some of the thing, like, Durant's a really good defensive player and not prone to mistakes, but he's making mistakes pretty consistently here over two games on rotations. And again, yeah. new guy. That seems the system. to be, like when it's rotations, it probably is the new guy thing, yeah. The standard, uh, it's time for us to see Kevin Durant now. It's two games where he's been pretty good. Been pretty good. Um, again, standard. The hype that was justified in his arrival here the way in which we talk about him and the way I echo Patrick Beverly's he's Kevin freaking Durant. Mm-hmm. We haven't really had many it's Kevin freaking Durant moments yet through two games. Sh- certainly with a shot making, sure. But the 17 points in the second quarter was about the closest that we got in game one. But that's about it. So I'm not, I'm just saying be on the lookout for that because it's coming. Yeah. He's Kevin freaking Durant. Like I said, it's coming. So I think that that's part of another positive for Phoenix is that they can hold out on that and say, like, we've gotten two pretty good performances from Kevin Durant, but if we're talking about the average Kevin Durant postseason performance, these are both under. They're yeah. both below average to, yeah. his, to his incredibly high standard, but that's the cool thing about having two superstars is that one guy can do that thing sometimes when the other one uh, is still assimilating. If we want to boil down through two games, um, we can start there and say – that superstar has not done the superstar thing yet, but we've already had two others do it. So that's why this is a series. Lots of superstars. Could have been more if Paul George was healthy. Who knows? Well, now it's interesting because when I heard that report, I was like, oh, series going five games now. Is he going to do the Anthony Davis thing in game seven if we get to a game seven? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's 12.50 a.m. Should we all go home and go sleep? What, what say you, Jeremy? You're emphatically nodding. You want to communicate? Yes. All right, there you go. What about you, bud? Probably watch Mandalorian and then... How, how's the entry when the child is asleep? Do you just, like, slowly creak oh, in? Oh, no, he's good. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. So you're going to watch Mando, I'm going to watch Ted Lasso, and we're all just going to be all very happy? 
Yeah, that's cool. I have a seven thirty a.m. flight, not to, not in six hours. Thank God. Flying out on Thursday morning. Super excited to get to L.A. when it, everything isn't closed down. It was so weird oh, being there. Yeah. I would just look up restaurants and they'd be closed down because of the whole pandemic thing. There was construction everywhere. It was a weird time. So we'll be back there now for what'll be. Um, Vince Goodwill from Yahoo had a funny thing with me because he said like oh yeah i was like asking if it would be in la he'd be like yeah and i'll be like "Ooh, that's gonna be fun a lot of great basketball back to and he was like long days <laughs> i was like yeah that's true because i think he said there's a 12 30 saturday game that's the game four for the suns and then the lakers play at seven that night so some national writers are going to be putting in quite the jam no uh, time for ted lasso for those guys mm-mm. no survivor like i'll be watching tomorrow night uh, D-backs won. Jeremy, did uh, anyone file a complaint with the Cardinals while we were recording? What's up? How are they doing? No. We're five hours without a complaint. Five hours. Great. Okay. Great. Doing great here. Quarterback smoke screens going on. Schefter's putting out some nonsense about quarterbacks aren't going to go. The Houston Texans just aren't going to take a quarterback, apparently. I don't buy they, it. They not might for not a second. do that, actually. It's not for Texans. a second. Don't, don't, don't say that. Don't do that to me. They don't have Jeff Driscoll need, on the free agent market anymore, I need though. So. Kevin Durant rocking a D-backs hat. Bless him. Said he knows about the Corbin Carroll Seattle Roots. Really cool story if you don't know. Corbin Carroll, 22-year-old rookie in the majors. Fastest player in the league now. He is going to be a future superstar. He pretty much, if you had to say who's the future face of the franchise, because the D-backs don't have one right now, it's definitely going to be him. Um, he's awesome. Kevin Durant was at a D-backs game a couple days ago, rocking a Corbin Carroll jersey. Corbin Carroll grew up in Seattle. And for that one year Kevin Durant was a Seattle Supersonic, he went and saw Kevin Durant when he was seven years old. <laughs> and Kevin Durant's response made me feel old. Amen, brother. Amen. All right, everyone. We'll be back for game three. I'm looking at the camera now for some reason. I don't know. I like the Are we gonna use this? Stand up mode. Uh-huh. I like the setup, Jeremy. Good job. Yeah, thank you. The chairs and the and the thing. Shout out to you. Just you knew it was gonna Hanging be like an hour of us, us writing and just waiting to record this. And you're like, yeah, man, for the content. Jeremy's just down for the content. That's the thing about Jeremy you. that yeah. you got to realize is that that man is down for the content. And I know he's going to clip this and use this for Twitter now because he's down for the content. Now he wants to say something, which is like, eh, I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. What's up? I'm content with the content that we got. Oh, I would hope so. Man, it was a long the night. The pawn machine still churning in your head at this late hour. All right. What do you think about this Lilo and Stitch remake? I'm just kidding. All right, everyone. See you